Hello, everyone, listeners to the BunkerCast Reading Club. It's Wednesday, the 5th of October. I'm Alex Hochuli, and this is the Reading Club on Conspiracy Theories. Hello, George. Hello, Phil. Hi, Alex. Hi. So, just to recap a little bit, in the first two sessions in this cynical ideology block of the Reading Club, which is taking up the middle part of the year, we looked at how cynicism has become the dominant ideology, both from above and from below. With the disbelief in meta-narratives that's characteristic of post-modernity, we're always at a distance from official narratives. We don't believe in them, and yet we still act as if we do. That's as Slavoj Žižek puts it, which we dealt with in the first session of the cynical ideology block. So our actions testify to our lives being structured by ideology, even if we don't actively believe in these ideas. And from above, cynicism also applies. So elites don't buy what they're selling, and they let everybody know this. And somehow that actually seems to strengthen them in their position because it insulates elites from criticism and from satire. All this is important to bear in mind as we discuss conspiracy theories today, ones which are advanced as much by elites as by people. Are conspiracy theories more prevalent today? Uh, The fact that official narratives seem to have less purchase, you would think, would suggest that conspiracy theories are more prevalent, but we'll come on to explore this in just a little bit. So just a little bit more broadly on conspiracy theories and writing about conspiracy theories, there's obviously a huge literature on the matter. Some focused on the theories, that is, a set of ideas which are as yet unproven, seeking to explain some phenomena, and others on conspiracies themselves, whether real or imagined, and sometimes seeking to advance their own theories as to why these conspiracies have happened. There are works also that take a mainstream, almost quasi-official position, seeing conspiracy theories as a pathology. So uh, to take one recent example, Nancy Rosenthal's A Lot of People Are Saying, which argues that the growth in conspiracy theories is undermining democracy. And then you have works which take the other uh, position, which is uh, to see the concern with conspiracy theories as themselves a panic or as a way to deflect criticism from elites. So you have DeHaven Smith's Conspiracy Theory in America or Jack Bratich's Conspiracy Panics. These are good examples of those. Um, And... Just to say, there's actually a whole list on conspiracy theories, which I compiled a little while back, drawn from suggestions that people gave me on Twitter. Um, So first of all, thank you if you contributed to that and you're listening. And secondly, the list is linked in the show notes if you'd like to read further. Um, Just one comment on uh, on this sort of uh, literature on conspiracy theories. It seems to me that there's a bit of a similarity, at least in the division that I just portrayed with the literature on populism. So... There's obviously a whole lot of literature on populism that's uh, dry political science, description, uh, comparative works or histories of populism. But the stuff that gets the most mainstream attention is works of anti-populism, you know, the types, right, uh, that see populism as the root of all our problems, this thing that uh, interceded into this nice um, end of history world and, and ruined everything. But there's also a kind of another set of works, which is uh, works of, I guess, anti-anti-populism, which is not to say that they necessarily defend populism, but ones which locate the problem elsewhere and see in the establishment obsession with populism as an attempt to distract from the real issues. And I think this kind of um, mirrors somewhat the literature on conspiracy theory. So today we're discussing Empire of Conspiracy by Timothy Melly, uh, which is a work from 2000. So it's a little... Uh, It's from a little while ago, and it really reflects on the American post-war world. And we'll come on to whether it describes our world or is applicable 
um, in just a bit. Millie is a professor of English at Miami University, uh, whose work is mainly on literary and cultural history, especially as concerns security and secrecy. Um, and some of his other works seem pretty interesting, though I can't admit having read them. Um, so why have we chosen this work amidst all this other literature on conspiracy theory? Um, firstly, I think it's useful because it threads a line between the two positions that I mentioned, um, the sort of anti-conspiracy line and the anti-anti-conspiracy line. Uh, so it doesn't simply pathologize conspiracy theorizing, nor does it seek to defend conspiracy theorizing either. Um, and I think more importantly, it advances what I think is a compelling case, tracing conspiracy theories, at least in post-war America, to a central concern with what he calls agency panic. Um, and there's more on that in just a sec when I bring Phil and George in. So before we kind of get started and begin the discussion, and just so we don't end up talking across purposes, I just wanted to venture a general, very broad definition of conspiracy theory. Um, and of course, guys, feel free to disagree with this one, but I just wanted to um, start with this so that we end up on common ground. Uh, basically, it is a conspiracy theory is a belief that a powerful group is acting in secret with deliberate intentions and whose effects are damaging. Um, I think these are important because um, particularly the notion of secrecy, because often I think a lot of discussions about conspiracy theory end up pointing to things which are done out in the open. And I think the notion of secrecy is, is important and the notion of intentionality as well. Um, so it's not just um, the damaging effects can't just be a, a consequence, a side effect of what powerful groups are doing, but a deliberately sought end. Are we all okay with that? Well, yeah, I think as a, as, a, as a starting point, I mean, in the reading, and I'm sure we'll discuss this, one of the things that Melly talks about is how uh, there are considerable departures from this, this sort of uh, original, what you might call the kind of original flavor conspiracy theory. But no, I think that's all of the key aspects. It's a small group, hidden, acting in secret, coordinating through like coded messages, and seeking to further their own interests through that kind of um, that kind of small concerted action. I mean, I think the the interesting thing comes in Melly's argument that this, as a model for conspiracy theory in America in the course of the twentieth century, gets kind of replaced in some ways. But I think as a kind of as a starting point, I think that works quite well. Yeah. No. Good. I mean, yeah. There's things like you could add about the them seeking control right that the the, the secretive groups seek control but i, I don't want to um presume too much because may, maybe there's conspiracy theories things that we would agree are conspiracy theories which don't stipulate that these you know a small powerful group is seeking to control people for example maybe they're trying to do other things um anyway so um i uh, as a way to start off I, I suggest that we all bring two conspiracy theories ones which are somewhat prevalent today one elite and one popular to put it that way. So um, go ahead, uh, Phil, what, what, what are yours? Yeah, so my um, my kind of bottom-up conspiracy theory, I suppose, would be the, and one that we've um, spoken about before, but it would be the idea of um, <clears throat> the World Economic Forum as a kind of a center or a nerve center of globally coordinating the elites effectively um, and that, you know, kind of endowing Klaus Schwab with um, with power. And from the top down is trickier because, the you know, there's two obvious big ones that are kind of genuine conspiracy theories but have had more traction and grip and power than um, any of the kind of bottom-up ones. And in Britain, that would be the dark money conspiracy 
um, or any of the associated conspiracies, the idea that the Brexit vote was manipulated by um, subversive foreign forces and that it was carried out through um, financing, kind of dubious financing, which is always in classical conspiracy theory terms kind of left vague, but alluded to in cryptic and sinister ways. All right, good. I don't, uh, George. Th- I don't think that this is necessarily received as a conspiracy theory. I think there is at least one journalist who won the Orwell Prize for some uh, investigative journalism in this in this space. But <laughs> no, I mean, the idea of that kind of conspiracy theory from above, just to kind of check that I understand what you what you mean there, Alex, the I think in the in the, the book, the end of the end of history of this podcast, which we must have plugged a million times now. But I think the idea of knobs is there's clearly something related there. There's something which can't be understood accepted or explained some political event and so the explanation becomes pretty like there has to be some um agency inserted there because it can't be that people are so like um you know they actually wanted to vote brexit they actually kind of you know wanted to vote for trump these things are like you know they don't make sense plainly so the um the the elites were resort to a more sophisticated brand of uh, conspiracy theory in their kind of neoliberal order breakdown syndrome um uh, performances but no i think in terms of the so conspiracy theories from below i'm no, no hang on hang on hang on you didn't give okay. me a conspiracy theory from above you gave oh. me an explanation and a kind of contextualization you didn't oh, give me I a mean, concrete example phil, <laughs> phil took my um <laughs> my example that i put in the, the chat before we started recording so i'm, I'm, no, I'm very aware of a conspiracy Gate, against is, me no, you said russia gay which is different did i oh okay well there's there's so many of them okay so one of them yeah rush the i think that the there's a there's an archetype, isn't there? That that's generally no no, no um, hang on. Super... We don't want a discussion of this. Just just give it just give me an example. Of an okay, Russia Gate. Okay. Okay, I'll just get <laughs> Russia Gate and then from below, 9-11 was an inside job. There you go. Okay, good. Um I have a couple I have a couple. One uh the one from below is that you know immigrants or refugees um are being either brought in or coming into Europe to secretly Islamicize Europe. Um, and the one from above, I have one kind of humorous, ridiculous one, which is um, Bolsonaro's claim that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, rather than being a kind of environmentalist trying to defend the Amazon, etc., um, is actually responsible for setting fires uh, as a sort of operation, sort of false flag or whatever, or that he's a sort of maybe crisis actor. No, see, I don't I'm think tempted, I'm actor, tempted but... to believe that one. That he that DiCaprio is setting fires in the Amazon. No, I don't. I don't think that so. he's a false flag operation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's um, there's another one which I think to which I owe. I now I, I don't remember whether this is in the Melly book and tell me if it is or if it's something that maybe Jeff Schellenberger, previous guest, has uh, has written or if it's something else entirely. So excuse me for that. But um, it, it's this idea that the JFK assassination soon after it happened, the official narrative regarding it was disbelieved not just by a large body of americans but even by a majority of americans and then subsequent government reports have even um you know weakened very much the official narrative but that today the kind of um, establishment liberals believe in a version of the events which is so much like the official original version that it ends up being a conspiracy theory which is to say the version that they hold which is like that you know that the assassin acted alone and that there was nothing else and that, you know, we it, the event is completely fully explained, ends up being 
in holding to a kind of like being an over-identification with the official narrative, a conspiracy theory itself, because the government itself has has um, has count- contradicted this this narrative, right? So it places them in the position so far off from not just what the new official kind of position is on, but but as well as the kind of popular understanding of it, whatever however multifarious those might be. Layers within layers. No, I mean, what, what I was going to say before I was instructed just to to give examples um, was that I'm definitely more sympathetic towards these, like, the more that a conspiracy theory is from below and not above, the more sympathetic that uh, I think I am to it. I think I would even go so far as to defend the idea of, like, increasingly becoming a crank. I know Phil is the crank of the podcast, but I definitely think there is something about... No, it's, it's like, definitely no, you, I'm actually. Dad, Phil is cranky. I'm the dad of the podcast. That's Phil, yeah, the exactly. There's a difference. Phil, Phil might be a little bit cranky in terms of, uh, you know, it's just disposition. Um, but but you're definitely the crank, George, here. Am I? Okay, yeah. well, I'm happy to. Did, did you I mean, know... There was a... Do you know that rich people are actually all Jews and they control things? Um, you know, I don't how about think that that's one a, for a conspir- conspiracy theory from below. No, I'm not a fan of anti-Semitism. I have to that say that one's from above as well. But as, the, as all these are, a... which is why the division between kind of popular and elite conspiracy theories is always um, is no is never so clean cut, right? Um, because mm. there might be counter elites who advance conspiracy theories and play to certain publics and so on. Um, but I would, I would just quickly, I would say there was a um, a group called a WhatsApp group called Cranks Anonymous. That I wanted to give a shout out to if anybody in that group is listening, which was very helpful during the pandemic of like the knee jerk reaction being like the official narrative is like your starting position should be critical of that. So I feel like there is a you know there is a kind of a spirit of independent thought which very quickly kind of shades into. Cr- crankism which i'm you know that's the that's the position that i would put myself at like covid covid lag lab leak crisis actor theory you know i'm increasingly oh, thinking oh maybe maybe these th- maybe i need to do some more researches maybe i need to read ten thousand posts on these and then i can come to my own decision well the covid lab theory though i mean that seems i never took that as a conspiracy um i mean it always seemed to me far-fetched it seems to have more, um, you know, it seems to have more legs now. Um, but I mean, also, like, it doesn't really make a difference to anything. I don't think, you know, like, we're going to um, come to that. We're going to come to that. It would be, you yeah. know, it would be something that might, you know, it would be something to wield against the Chinese government if you're a Chinese citizen. Um, but outside of that context, it seems to me just to kind of feed into new kind of Cold War paranoia. That it doesn't seem to me to, you know, whether or not it was uh, kind of whether or not it came from bats in a Wuhan wet market or whether it leaked out of experiments conducted in a laboratory. It doesn't seem to me to make much difference to the real problems associated with the pandemic, which was how we responded to it, not how it originated. Um, and so I don't think that the lab thing counts as a conspiracy theory to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it, I just think it's it, unfair it, 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 on bats. Why are they getting blamed? just it just stirs up anti-bat feeling for no real reason um the, the idea that it would be a conspiracy theory the lab leak one would be that there would be a cover-up now that would be the conspiracy right um that they didn't want to reveal but there was that. a cover-up right i mean that's that seems okay. to be part of the evidence okay. as well right? I, all i'm i know i i agree all i'm saying is that the, the conspiracy theory nature of it would be regarding a cover-up not the fact that it happened anyway we're getting we're getting sidetracked by this um because i wanted well, to no, turn to the I text. think i think it is i think actually 
it's kind of important. I think so to make it a conspiracy theory would be the idea that it was deliberately leaked as a way to test bioweapons on the population or as a way, say, to boost China's economy, to make it central to global exports or, you know, something like that. That I think would be a conspiracy. That would be kind of putting it in the league of the conspiracy theory. So I think that's important in as much as the point with conspiracy theories is the assumption or the attribution of intentionality. Right. Yeah. So that would be the difference. Yeah. And and I mean, it should also be mentioned that there's plenty of conspiracy theories out there which are pretty harmless. I, I don't just mean in, in terms of their effects, but that they don't even stipulate some major sort of harm. It's just like there's Give us a harmless this, one. Oh, like, I mean, OK, so so there's like so here's one like, you know, this new Coke conspiracy that um, or theory about a conspiracy that that Coke changed its formula to an inferior formula of new Coke and that then they actually swapped it out for the original one and they covered it up. I mean, it's like, okay, and? <laughs> um, but, there, you know, there's plenty of these and, and obviously there's escalating degrees about their the claims they make and how big their claims are. That one doesn't seem to make many claims other than corporations lie. Um, or cover things up, which is kind of a banality, all the way up to society is a huge form of social control and mind control and whatnot. Um, are we drinking? Are we drinking new Coke now or old Coke again? I, that I don't know. Or, or the, the Avril Lavigne oh, one is a good one, which is a similar kind of replacement thing where the original Avril What's Lavigne that? died ages ago and she's been replaced by by a fake, and people go through looking at her like oh she's a bit taller than she was before and so on um i'm a believer wow. in that one by the way new new avril anyway let's get it let's get onto the text hey there you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons if you'd like to join us and gain access to around two patreon exclusive episodes a month please go to patreon.com bungacast we'd love to have you